Greetings, dear, dear listeners, and welcome to another episode of The Working Experience, a very warm, open-arm audio embrace and a squeeze. This episode is brought to you by my company, One Circle Media. One Circle Media is a hybrid digital agency and media content creator. We create and design apps, websites, videos, social media content, and physical products. We are artists, directors, designers, producers, coders, editors, thinkers, makers, and creators who embrace story and creativity from design, web and app development, animation, docs, features, TV shows, digital and social media content to physical products. For our clients, we create content that builds networks and audiences across multiple platforms. Check out our work at OneCircleDigital.com and OneCircleBrand.com. If you work for a network, studio, brand, startup, or corporation, and are looking for a partner to create media that will build, engage, and entertain, reach out to me at John at OneCircleMedia.com. I'd love to hear from you. Thanks, everyone, and I hope you enjoyed this episode of The Working Experience. The Working Experience. Route 93 North is almost at a standstill. It's a rough one out there this morning. Snow and sleet. There is no service on the... Stand clear of the closing doors, please. Uh, Yeah, folks, we're going to be a few minutes. We have train traffic ahead of us. We should be moving shortly. John, we need that report ASAP. Where are we on that presentation? Man, HR wants to see you. Did you return that email yet? We have a team meeting at 10. To stay late, Bob. Teamwork makes the dream work. (laughs) They're moving in a different and after the meeting, we'll have a breakout session. Who ate my Where are my hot pockets? This microwave is disgusting. Oh, God, what's that? He was wow. living his toenails at his desk. I can't take it anymore. I can't take it anymore. Hey, everybody, and welcome to this episode of the Working Experience Podcast. This is Maddie Kay. And, oh, boy, another casualty of the pandemic. Looks like the business lunch may be going out of business. As remote work persists and business deals are sealed online, many upscale restaurants that cater to the nation's downtown office crowd are canceling the meal. This is according to Brett Anderson of the New York Times. Says here, few people understand the power lunch better than Ashok Bahaj, the restaurateur, began his career here in the waning days of Ronald Reagan's presidency when he opened the Bombay Club, a short walk from the White House. Eight of the ten restaurants he operates today, like his first, are located downtown. They're conveniently clustered near one another, making it easier for Mr. Bahaj to preside over multiple dining rooms and near customers who work on Capitol Hill at the State Department and in the Eisenhower Executive Office Building, crucial crucial sources of what Mr. Bahaj calls his lunch crowd. Prominent members of that crowd gravitated to the Oval Room, the power lunch magnet he ran for 26 years and closed in November 2020. Longtime regulars have resumed eating lunch at his places that are open for it, like Rasika and the Bombay Club, but it's nothing like it was before COVID, he said. The energy has been sucked out of downtown. I, I love that word, though. Power lunch. Like power tie, power nap, power yoga. Everything's power now. 
I don't know if a uh, two slices of cheese pizza from a cart on the street counts, but that's usually my power lunch. Of all the headaches the pandemic has caused the restaurant industry, among the most persistent is the disruption of the business of doing business over lunch. It afflicts a specific influential cohort of restaurateurs who, like Mr. Bahaj, own prestigious restaurants in the hearts of large cities that office workers have fled along with their corporate expense accounts. That was really the heyday, I think, probably in the 90s, early 2000s. I mean, businesses, like if you worked for a Morgan Stanley or something, they, they had, I mean, I, I have friends who worked in these places. They, they had like lunch buffets for you in the downstairs cafeteria. And then I guess for clients, you went out on the corporate credit card and you had your expense account. You had the three martini lunch, and uh, it was just no holds barred. Apparently, that is not the case anymore. Continued uncertainty over when or if those workers will return leaves the dining rooms that cater to them without an important revenue stream at a time when the cost of doing business, particularly in dense urban areas, is spiking. At the same time, many of the diners who used to nurture relationships and close deals over midday hamashi crudo, I don't know what that is, and steak frites, is that fries? Boy, I'm such a rube. Are now making those connections in front of a computer screen at home while eating salads from takeout boxes. God, that's depressing. How do you go from eating hamachi crudo to a takeout salad. All right, I'm gonna look this up right now because I need to know what this is. Hama, I'm on Google. I'm a master at this. Hamachi crudo is, oh, there's a bunch of different. Oh, it's some sort of sushi-ish dish. Let's see, hamachi crudo recipe. Oh, come on, what is it? Is hamachi a tuna? It's also the most common name for several species of amberjack, sleek migratory tuna-like fish found off both U.S. coasts. The most valuable member of this family is the yellowtail farmed in Japan and featured in U.S. sushi bars under the name hamachi. So I guess hamachi, there's like different types of hamachi. Or hamachi is the fish? I don't know. Anyway, it's something you eat. It's some sort of fish type thing. I'm sure it was not really the dish that people loved. It was the idea of ordering it and the expense of it. In any event, these economic and behavioral shifts are heightening concerns about the viability of independent restaurants in big cities where they double as bulwarks against the homogenizing effect of corporate chains. The Cheesecake Factory will open March 30th in downtown D.C. and people are freaking out blared a headline on the Washingtonian website last year atop an article reporting the replacement of an award-winning chef-owned restaurant. I'm no foodie, but I was unimpressed with the Cheesecake Factory and Bertucci's and all those other chain restaurants, Chili's and TGI Fridays. I mean, the food is just terrible. And it's probably not like I'm going to eat out at one of these restaurants we've 
I've mentioned. I can't remember the names of them. I'm like, I'm not going to be eating Hamachi Crudo, but I don't also, I also don't want to eat in a chain restaurant. However, adapt or die. In an apparent nod to the new reality, Mr. Bahaj opened a grab-and-go Bindus Bowls and Rolls in downtown in April. Not long ago, a quick service pit stop would have been unimaginable coming from a restaurateur known for his savoir-faire and designer suits. It just seemed like the right time for it, he said. There are not that many people doing power lunches right now. So it's not that the, I mean, these restaurants did close, but it's also just that people are not commuting into these places anymore. Uh, you know, New York, Boston, L.A., Chicago, they're all feeling this pinch. And also the, um, I'm sure the connected businesses or parallel businesses who supply these restaurants with their food, with their cutlery, um, do their washing, Plus the people who work there, you know, it's, it's, it's a chain. That's, that's not my original idea. I know you're always looking to me like, Maddie Kay, what's, how does all this fit together? Uh, and I just, let me repeat again, lest you think otherwise, I am not a financial expert. I know you're saying, no way, that's not true. It is true. I'm just going off of what I read here. Uh, I was about to say in the newspaper, I still call it that. It's the New York Times. I still call it the newspaper, even though it's I'm looking at it on a computer screen. In less fancy dining rooms across the country, the restaurant lunch is thriving, particularly in the suburban and residential city neighborhoods where many Americans have worked during the pandemic. Total sales at quick service restaurants have exceeded those at table service restaurants since the start of the pandemic, upending a historical norm, according to the National Restaurant Association. And fast, casual chains chains have continued opening in cities like Washington and San Francisco. Fast, casual, I'm assuming, meaning like the TGI Fridays, that, types, that type of place. But a number of independent city restaurants that used to do brisk noontime business are remaining closed for lunch, even as demand for dinner reservations returns. Many operators say rising costs and labor shortages make lower-priced lunch menus near certain money losers. Nancy Oaks, who opened Boulevard in the Embarcadero area of San Francisco in 1993, said the return of office workers on staggered schedules, say three days in the building, two at home, has been too unpredictable to justify hiring and training staff for the midday meal. That's interesting. So the fancy sit-down lunches are specifically the meals that are taking a hit, not so much the dinner. And honestly, I don't, I mean, in the suburbs, like where I live, certainly in rural areas, like a fancy sit-down lunch is not really part of the program. Um, it's more like the Paneras of the, uh, of the industry. Um, but, uh, you know, up until maybe what four years ago five years ago the power lunch was still a big deal in dc i'm sure new york and all of that um she says this is nancy oaks uh who opened boulevard she says with this hybrid work day is wednesday the new monday or is it or is thursday the new friday if i can crack that code i might have a chance 
You know, just as a side note, I'd read in Anthony Bourdain's book, Kitchen Confidential, which is amazing. Uh, if you have ever eaten out at a restaurant or you do eat out at restaurants, I mean, I know everybody knows him from his TV show and all that, but that is a fascinating look in just to how a restaurant works. If you want to work in the restaurant industry, that's almost a primer on it if you want to open a restaurant. Um, and he had a lot of great advice for just diners as well, casual diners. He said, like, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, I think a lot of restaurants are closed on Mondays, uh, like of this this type, a little, you know, not, not terribly fancy, but a little higher end. Uh, Tuesdays and Wednesdays are the best days to eat out, best nights to eat out, because the um, chefs are back from their, they've gotten a day off, they've got their A-team in there, um, who are, are also pretty well rested, the food's fresh, because usually foods, particularly seafood, is delivered on Tuesdays, Wednesdays, uh, there's a lot fewer people, um, they know you live locally, if you're there, most likely you live locally, and um, you're just going to have a better experience. You know, if you go on a Saturday night, on a Sunday, it's packed. And you're not going to get the best of the best. You know, they, it's almost impossible for a restaurant, you know, to pay as much attention as they can on a Tuesday or Wednesday. So just a little side note. Most of the high-end restaurants struggling with the shifting economics of lunch are in cities that experienced record job growth in the decade after the Great Recession of 2008, said Hudson Rial, Senior Vice President and Director of Research, for the National Restaurant Association. That economic expansion, he said, stimulated the development of more restaurants, in particular independent operations that catered to the city worker crowds, which are certainly somewhat different than these suburban crowds. Recent numbers, however, don't augur a quick return to pre-COVID conditions. Some 47% of diners who work from home go out to lunch less frequently than they did before the pandemic, According to the Restaurant Association, lunch reservations in the first four months of this year at restaurants with an average check of more than $50 were sharply lower than during the same period in 2019, according to data from the online reservation service Open Table. So the more people were paying for lunch, the less they're going out to that lunch now. They fell in Washington by 38%, New York City by 38%. San Diego by 42%, Philadelphia by 54%, and Chicago 58%. Joel Johnson has noticed the change. The head of government affairs in the Washington office of FGS Global, a strategic communications company, Mr. Johnson, 61, averaged three business lunches a week before the pandemic. The ritual was so deeply ingrained, he said, that between 12-ish and 2-ish, no one would schedule a big client meeting. It was understood that people were probably going to lunch. That got torn down during COVID. The downtown lunch business hasn't come to a complete halt. Some days are good, Mr. Bahaj said of his restaurants that are open for lunch, noting that Katanji Brown Jackson lunched at Rasika, his modern Indian restaurant near the Capitol, soon after being confirmed to the Supreme Court in April. The chef Eric Rippert said lunch at Le, Le Bernardin, you'll have to forgive me for my, uh, man, these are hard to pronounce. Well, they probably aren't hard to pronounce. I'm just an ignorant idiot. 
The chef Eric Rippert said lunch at Le Bernardin, his celebrated French restaurant in Midtown Manhattan, where a price-fixed lunch runs at $120, is at 100% capacity. Although the same can't be said of the nearby Aldo Somme Wine Bar, which he co-owns. Lunch service has not resumed at similarly celebrated and high-priced Manhattan restaurants like Per Se, 11 Madison Park, and Jean-Georges. Lunch on a Wednesday in June was busy at Higgins, an influential restaurant in downtown Portland, Oregon. Greg Higgins, its chef and co-owner, said he had worked hard to attract midday diners, but also benefited from a spate of closings nearby. The hotel restaurants are gone. We're one of the only options now. The story for suburban restaurants has been nearly the opposite of downtowns, said Mr. Riel of the National Restaurant Association. The Detroit area businesses run by Sammy Eads or Eads family illustrate the split screen. We reopened for lunch as soon as we could at Phoenicia, said Mr. Eid, referring to their traditional Lebanese restaurant in Birmingham, a suburb. It's back. Lila in downtown Detroit is in downtown Detroit is another matter. The Ides opened the modern Lebanese restaurant to critical acclaim in 2019, in large part to take advantage of the demand for lunch at a location about three blocks from the headquarters of Quicken Loans. I don't know if lunch will ever come back to Lila, Mr. Ides said. It's a multi-million dollar project to say it makes more sense to keep it dark, tells you what you need to know about how crazy things are. So Power Lunch has taken a hit in the cities, those high-priced places um, that catered to uh, the elites. Uh, apparently they're staying home and eating, uh, well, maybe they're not eating boxed salads. That might be an exaggeration, but they're not going to eat in those restaurants. Uh, Downtown Washington, D.C., Midtown Manhattan, Portland, Oregon, uh, Philadelphia, Chicago. All these high-end places have taken a big hit. And again, that affects labor, although I think part of this is due to labor shortages, they were saying in there. It's hard to get anybody to do anything these days. Uh, but also the supply chain as it, as it goes down the line. Uh, I'll have to admit I am not generally a patron of these restaurants, but maybe in support of them, I'll take a shot at the $120 lunch at Le Bernardin or whatever that other restaurant was. All right, everybody. Thanks a lot for listening. Uh, I really appreciate it. Make sure to like us. Throw us a little bit of a review. Um, we have a book coming out pretty soon. Maybe in the next three, four months, something like that. Uh, we might go the traditional publishing route. Maybe an ebook, an audio book. We'll see what form it takes. And uh, it's mostly about all the great advice that we have gotten, all the great lessons that um, I've learned, that our listeners have learned from the many wonderful guests that we've had. So be on the lookout for that. Thanks a lot for listening. Take care. Thank you, everyone, for listening to this episode of The Working Experience. We'd like to thank our sponsors, One Circle Media. If you work for a studio, network, startup, or corporation and are looking for a partner to create media that will build, engage, and entertain your audience, 
reach out to me at john at onecirclemedia.com. I would love to hear from you. And that's it. The end. The sweet end. Until our next audio encounter.